0: Let's go to Revelation, because we're in Revelation chapter 2, we've been talking about the second congregation, Smyrna there. Uh, We talked about last week, because of the way it went, uh, about gossip and about some things uh, about our tongue and making sure uh, that we, look, we're in this fight together, and so we don't need to be fighting each other. We need to fight the enemy together. And what the enemy is to do is, the enemy is to always try to get his people to fight amongst themselves. And so, uh, with that, there's going to be a song in just a minute. I played this years ago. Uh, Casting Crowns has a song called City on a Hill. And the reason why I really want to play that song is, is because in the scripture, we're supposed to be light on a city on a hill. And, And it talks about, in that song, it talks about the diversity of the different people. Because you'll have a young man and an old man, and you'll have a a poet, you're gonna have a musician, you're gonna have soldiers, and you're gonna have different people. And, you know, we we all are given different talents in this place, we're given gifts. From our before we were in the womb, we were, Father knows what our calling is gonna be. Each one of our calling has a design, but each design is designed to work together as a body. Not for me to work on my design and it be just everybody needs to fall into my design and what he's called me to do. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So in that, when we're looking at the scripture in Revelation, uh, verse 9, I just want to reread this. When we read it last week, it says, I know your tribulation. Now, he's talking about this congregation, and and here again, we brought this to light, because guess what? I don't care if you live long enough, you're going to find tribulation, and guess what? And if you can't find it, it'll find you. Amen. It'll sneak up on you, because this group right here, they were doing everything that was right. You don't see any negatives that Yeshua's bringing to this congregation. But he says, I know your tribulation, I know your poverty, but you're rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. I just wanted to bring this right here. It says, but to the slander. Okay, you know, on this very day, there's a certain day that this is for the world. And they're celebrating, okay? But if you didn't read the news, and if you've been reading the news, the government has been highly advising people that are not vaccinated, don't go... I mean i'm sorry sorry sorry, the people that are vaccinated do not allow your unvaccinated families to enjoy this day with you. you got to understand what's happening here now they're trying to tell you how you can visit your own family now that's a true statement there that's okay, but I'm not going to repeat it but anyway but what but what I'm trying to tell you is is this is when now the government's telling you when and how you can visit your own family. And then trying to tell you, remember what the scripture says? Yeshua called it. He said, Father will be against mother, mother against children, children against father. All of this is a, If this is not in your lap, you better wake up. It's in our lap now to where they're even now saying it's a good thing. But yet it's a good thing on what they define what is a good thing. It says, I know your tribulation. So now we can identify what was happening during this congregation because there's tribulation. Now, I wrote something down here. You need to write this down. You need to know this. This is something. This is your life. If you don't believe me, once you write this down and you meditate on this promise, waiting period, affliction... Deliverance or redemption, then promise kept. You need to write that down. Okay, because we're going to tie in some things in just a moment. Now, Tammy had gotten an article by Jim Staley. I don't know how many years ago it might have been written or whatever. I mean, it was like, you know, pages. I told her to send it to me. But out of all of the things, he did mention this right here in this article And this is huge. I don't even remember. I'm sorry. I don't remember a lot of part about the other. Because when I saw that, it was over with. Because this is what I was supposed to see. Promise. Real quick. Promise. Joseph. Did he not get a promise? He had two dreams of what would happen. Two dreams. And then there was a waiting period. What am I to do with these two dreams? I'm a young lad. So there's a waiting period. There's always, the Father gives us a word. He gave me a word many years ago about being a pastor. But I wasn't a pastor the next day. There was a waiting period. But guess what? This is what people don't like. Affliction. Joseph was, went into slavery and into prison. He was afflicted. There's testings and trials that go in your life when you're in this place here. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream. And when Pharaoh had a dream, they says, I know of a man who's in prison that interpreted my dream, the cupbearer said. And he brought in the Pharaoh. And when he interpreted everything, then what happened? Deliverance, redemption. And then he starts working with Pharaoh's dream. And then eventually, his dream comes to pass because he brings his family out of Canaan to Goshen. This is important. Because a lot of us, we have a promise. But we want to go from promise to promise kept. Without... The journey, we want to skip, well, we, yeah, we definitely want to skip the affliction. Chris Locke sent me a little saying this week. He sends me a lot of little things, you know, and encouragement. Uh, I think there was uh, Joyce Meyer, she had this little thing. she says, patience is not the ability to wait, but how you act while you're waiting. This is, this is key to if we can get to the promised kept part. Are we going to be faithful in the waiting and the affliction? Because there was Potiphar's wife came to tempt, and yet Joseph was faithful. He said, how can when a man put me to charge over his whole house, how can I do this to him, my master? So you saw that there's faithfulness or before we can ever get to a promise kept, the Father wants to know if we're going to be faithful here. And if we can't be faithful here, our promise realization is never going to um, come to fruition. Tammy, you'll hand her the mic. I must be saying something good. Tammy's writing down Speed Trip. I just told Tammy, let's apply that right now to what we talked about in the very beginning. Amen. For our health, we have to wait. There's going to be affliction. Our body is not going to like it. Eventually, there will be deliverance and redemption. And then the promise kept that we're going to have a healthy body. Amen. 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 So what I want you to do, we're going to play this song, City on a Hill. I want you to look at the words and go through the words. Because it's important that we as a body, we're all guys. This right here. Affliction is where it causes us to turn on one another. Because we don't like what we're going through. And the next thing you know is, is affliction. I wrote down at the very end of my thing. Affliction is designed to move us forward and upward. See, affliction is designed, it has a purpose in our life. Even though we don't like it. But for everybody in here. It doesn't have to be an athlete. I take the musicians. I can tell you that when Casey was probably learning how to play the violin, David was probably like, looked at his wife, are, are we crazy? That's affliction. That was affliction. They had a. They had a promise. Sherry gave David a promise. David went through affliction. Then there was redemption when Casey got good, and now you hear what the fruit of it is. Watch out now. I'm just saying, you can, I just want to say this, because when this happened, guys, this, this is key in our life. This is key in our life. Because a lot of times in our life, we can get tripped up here. But Yeshua has a way because if we repent, we can get right back on track to where we can have deliverance and redemption. That's why that's there for us to get to. Just because we mess, even though we have a promise, even though we mess up. Joseph didn't mess up. David messed up. Moses messed up. But you can still see where promises are kept, however this works. And in our life, I'm telling you, this is is huge to me. This is huge. So play the song, and y'all look at the
1: words. the city on the hill Settle one old man to the other It won't shine bright and it would be shining still But they all started turning on each other mm. You see the poets thought the dancers were shallow And the soldiers thought the poets were weak elders saw the young ones as foolish and the rich man never heard the poor man speak and one by one they ran away with their made-up minds to leave it all behind and the light began to fade in the city on the hill the city on the hill Each one thought that they knew better, but they were different by design. Instead of standing strong together, they let their differences divide. And one by one they ran away. With their made up minds to leave it all behind. And the light began to fade, and the city on the hill. And the world is searching still But it was the rhythm of the dancers That gave the poets life It was the spirit of the poets That gave the soldiers strength to fight It was the fight. It was the wisdom of the old It was the Gives a soldier strength to fight. It is the fire of the young ones, it is the wisdom of the old, it is the story of the poor man that's needing to be told. One by one. We With our made-up minds to leave it all behind As the light begins to fade in the city on the hill One by one we run away With our made-up minds to leave it all behind As the light begins to fade in the city on the hill The city on the hill Father's calling still. Come home to the city on the hill. Come home.
0: Amen. Isn't that awesome? Words in that song? And he scattered us, he's gathering us. But he's gathering us, but we all have our callings and we all have our places and i can tell you because i played sports and by playing sports and you you know for those who have whenever the band would play certain songs you got fired up we got fired up they threw the spirit it just they would get people pumped up when things were not going just just right cheerleaders are doing their part all these people are doing their part the fan that's right the fight song when you heard that you come busting through it just something does it But this is what happens. But you know what? I don't know why this happened, but this was reality for me. I don't know for Casey or or for you or anybody else. I didn't hang around with the band members because the the football guys, the baseball guys, we all hung around. We didn't hang around together. We were all still friends. How you doing and all that? They didn't hang around us. But yet, when you thought about the whole scope of the whole thing, everybody fed off the other. And everybody had their portion. And I really just appreciated that because of what was said last week. Because what happens is, is our words can tear one another down when we don't understand the design that the Father has for us as a body of Messiah. The various gifting servants, prophets, givers, administrators all of these teachers, all of these people that have their portion in their lane that they run in, if we will run in our lane and if we would run in it well and we would learn, our design is design as a whole. I mean, he didn't make all of us fathers or all of us mothers. He's got a mother and a father. And talks about in Proverbs, what we're to heed from the father and the mother, our children. Because guess what? The children one day are going to hopefully grow up to be mothers and fathers. And these teachings of the Torah is going to be passed down. What are we passing down? That's, that's the key. Are we going to work together? And the reason why I wanted to play that song is because whenever this heavy persecution was coming on this congregation, these believers who were different by design in that time had to work together. If not working together, they would have been devoured, turning on one another. And this is why it's so important as we go through these seven congregations... We better learn to draw strength from one another and not yak-yacking because somebody's not in the calling that we're in or a design. Amen? Because it's bad enough, it's bad enough to have the world to put persecution on you. It is, it is a travesty to have the body of the Messiah putting persecution on the body of Messiah. That's crazy. Okay, in Revelation chapter 2, I'll read another verse Verse 10, we talked about this. It says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. Now, real quick, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, I'm going to read three verses there. Let me say this. This is my opinion. This is what I believe about Satan. Hasatan. He's real. He's real. Not only is he real, he has a lot of demons that are real. You have this, this force of darkness, it's real. All of this is real. But Satan's not Yahweh. He don't even have power that even can get close to that. It proved it because Satan come against Yeshua and he couldn't even defeat him. And Yeshua defeated the grave through the resurrection so he has power but he has limited power but just what he has power to do i believe this he is created to do what he does that's what he does in other words however the big picture do we believe i'm just want to throw this out there okay whether he was a choir director or not i just want to say something here does yahweh know all things Did he create Satan? Did he know Satan was going to fall? You better hope so. If he's all-knowing because he created Adam and he knew he was going to fall because it says Yeshua was created from the foundations of the world to be our Savior. So Yahweh sort of knows everything. we got to understand this. So regardless how all of this ends up falling on the dark side, Darth Vader, In his business. You know what I'm saying? However the dark side, however Hasatan, however Satan and all of that happens. Yahweh, did he not allow Satan to tempt Job and test Job? He said you can't kill him. Now here, in this, some people are even going to be put to death. In the testings and the trials. But here's the thing. If you're in Yahweh's will... We got to understand the resurrection when he says you're poor, but yet you're rich. We're rich in him, guys. We do in this life what he calls us to do in this life for his glory, not for our glory. And this is where we get really messed up in the mind. We hadn't totally sold out because we really want to do things sometimes in this life for our own glory. That's why we're not so anxious to go through certain things. There's not, I mean, how many people in here want to be a martyr? Don't raise your hand. But really and truly, if you ask the question, how many people in here really want to be a martyr? Nobody wants to die. You know, especially these young ones, they want to get married and have children. And then they want to die after they have children. (laughs) I'm just saying. No, they don't. we got great children. And hopefully and prayerfully, this is why part of this in that song, hopefully some of the gray heads that you'll listen and say, let's don't make some of the mistakes that the gray heads did. And, and maybe we can we can raise our children to be righteous seed. And that's what our desire is. And that can happen. Amen. It can happen. I'm just having some fun. But what I'm saying here is this, is that there are testings and trials that come our way. Satan was able to test Job. Yahweh test but temptation, like I was talking about, of evil, Yahweh will never test you or tempt you with sin to go out there and to do the sin. That's not, that's, we're drawn away by our own lust and enticed. Satan can do that, okay? But the reason why I'm bringing this up is, is sometimes you don't know the difference. When a test comes, you may not know who it's coming from. But does it really matter who it's coming from? When the father already has his Torah and tells us that this is the way out. This is what you do regardless of the consequences. You may be a Stephen. You may be one who has to fall on his knees and preach one of the greatest sermons that's ever ministered. And then get stoned to death. And be a martyr for the kingdom. That may be your calling. We don't know exactly. Some of us' callings are different or the promises are different. But we need to embrace, like the blind man, we talked about in Matthew, in the book of Mark. Remember the blind man. He said, who sinned, the Father or him? He said, neither one, that the glory. And what did he do? He preached the best salvation message you've ever heard. And they still didn't hear. So in the scripture here, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, it says this. This is Yahweh doing this. The whole commandment I have commanded you today that you shall be careful to do. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that Yahweh Elohim or Yahweh swore to give to your fathers. Now, there's a land that we're possessing today and it's His kingdom. There is a land that we're possessing today. It's His kingdom, the kingdom that's at hand. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Ministering to the lost and possessing the kingdom... Because he gives us something to do today. But the only way that we're going to possess this, is we've got to be careful to do the whole commandment. If we can't be doing the whole commandment, if we can't be doing it his way, see, too many people today, even today as we're sitting here, are trying to possess a kingdom their way. They're not doing the feast in the festivals of Elohim. They're doing other feasting festivals trying to possess a kingdom. But Yahweh's saying, no, you're going to do it my way. Or it's not going to get done. I'll use another generation. Verse 2 it says, You shall remember the whole way that Yahweh your Elohim has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. And he did it for a purpose. And here's the purpose that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart. Guys, this is what affliction's about. When you get afflicted, you'll find out who you really are. You'll find out if all of the stuff that you're reading, all the stuff that you're learning, all the stuff that you're singing and praising and doing the turquoise and doing all the little things for, you'll find out that when affliction comes, it don't feel good, are you going to stand up for truth? Are you going to be able to do like Paul when they're in prison, midnight, start singing a hymn? And allowing the Spirit to open up all the prison gates. What are we going to do? Are we going to be able to sing praises during a time of affliction? This is why these stories are in the Scripture. They're not in there just because they feel good. They're in there to show you that, oh, this is what Paul did whenever he was thrown in prison for the Messiah's sake. He started singing hymns. So guess what? That might be a good idea. Let's do it. And start praising and seeing what the Father. Look at Peter Wasn't Peter's time. If if it's your time, I mean, they took Peter and bound him between all of these soldiers. Did they not? Chained him. Think about it. Why would they be chaining a man? Just throw him in there and lock the door. Why, you got to lay down and chain yourself to him. Yahweh caused that to happen. You know why? Because he wanted a bigger and better miracle. So he sat there and he loosed the chains. Didn't he wake them up? What do you think happened when Peter's gone and these soldiers woke up and he wasn't there? They were going through affliction. Because it was death to them because they lost the man. They, they headed out a back door somewhere and they got on that camel and they're still riding. I'm just telling you, because you lose a prisoner, whatever was going to that prisoner, guess what? That went to you. It ain't like today. Yahweh loves to do things in dynamic ways. This is why we can't be afraid of the circumstances. It may look bad. This is why these scriptures are all through the Bible. The, the Bible is, is to give us hope that if He delivered them in that way, He will deliver us too. He did not lead us out to take us back there again. We're not, to, we're not to look, but this is, this is why the affliction comes. This is why the temptations come. Are we going to start looking at how great Egypt was before we got saved? The melons and the leeks and the garlics. We're going to forget about all of the addictions and all of those things that happened back then. What are we doing when affliction happens? Affliction is designed to move us upward and forward. That's what it's designed to do. But guess what? If you can't remember the promise, and this is why the promise comes first, is for us to remember how good he is. Because if you don't remember the promise, the affliction will turn you backwards. It'll cause you going back in the wrong direction. It'll cause you to quit, give up. Where I'm at. Verse 3. He said, and he humbled you, and he let you hunger, and he fed you with manna. We've been talking about diet today. I'm sure the manna didn't have sugar on it. I'm sure it wasn't a cinnamon roll. It was just a roll. <laughs> you know what I mean? It had honey. Oh, they had honey, yeah, but it wasn't in the manna. Coriander seed is what they believed that this was. But he humbled us and he let us hunger and he fed us manna. He fed us what He wanted us to eat, not what we wanted to eat. you got to get these little things in His Word because this is important. We have to eat what He gives us, and we have to be satisfied with what He gives us. Because He knows our body. He knows best, spirit, soul, and body. He knows. It's what we've been talking about this morning. He says, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. That he, Yahweh, might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word, every rhema that comes from the mouth of Yahweh. So he's trying to teach us that the humbling is to the afflictions, is to for us to learn how to trust him that he's going to get us to the promise kept part. But if we're not care, careful, affliction can drive us back to the waiting period. Because maybe, maybe I didn't hear this from I didn't hear this right. You see what I'm saying? This is for us. But now look, if we've done something wrong, if we're in sin that causes affliction, then yeah, then that's not what this is about. This is about someone like Joseph. This is someone. This has been Abraham. Do you don't think that Abraham had a promise? Abraham had a promise. He said, "Leave your land." Did Abraham go from the Ur of the Chaldees? Did he go straight to Canaan? No. Where did he go? Haran. And he stayed in Haran a pretty good while till his daddy died. Then when his daddy died, he went to the land of Canaan. But did he stay in Canaan long? No, where did he go? Egypt. Then he went to Egypt. See, there was a waiting period, and and he went through a couple of kings called Abimelech. He went through some testings and some trials. He went through one where he said, Sarah, Sarah, I guess it was for it was Sarah. Man, you're a good-looking girl. The king and all them people are going to kill me, so tell him what? You're my sister. See, because he didn't want to die. They're going to kill me and take you. So just tell them, so there's some lying and deception. No, there's no trust in that. So you're trying to work out your saving your hide. See, instead of letting Yahweh do it, but Yahweh knew that. Yeah, Yahweh knew his heart. So he had to bring him through these, and Abraham, if you count, he went through 10 testings before finally Isaac was born, and promised kept, and he brought him to the land of Canaan, but you know what, Isaac went through it, Jacob went through it, the sons of Israel, when you start looking at it, and guess what, we all go through the same thing, this is the way it works in our life, but where we get tripped up is affliction, because nobody likes it, but it says that he brings us through these things, and he humbles us to see if we will follow him or not. Amen? Now, let's go to Deuteronomy 16. Deuteronomy chapter 16, 3. I want to have some fun with this. I want to play with this a little bit. Arnold and Pam, they do a lot of bread. So, I want to read verse 3. Is everybody there? Okay. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread. The bread of what? The bread of affliction. It says, for you came out from the land of Egypt in haste, all in the days of your life. You may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. So he's telling them, and he's telling them, remember why you left. All right, now I read that scripture, and I can see spiritually the Holy Spirit fail, some speaking in tongues, deliverances, you know, and all of that. But you know there's a lot in that verse. Do you know that the word bread is used three times? There's three different breads. They're not all the same. So now we're going to read it from the way he, I believe, designed it to be read. You shall eat no what? Hametz. You shall eat no hametz. This is the bread of the world. This is leavened bread. Hametz, fermented. That which is leavened, probably that which is gained by violence or wrong. I'm going to slow down a little bit. This is what I was reading out of the Strong's and I'm going back, the IVP, and I'm going back and forth. Now listen, leavened bread, hametz, fermented. That which is leavened, probably that which is gained by violence or wrong. You see why I'm slowing down? Because he's telling us that you can't eat this. Because this bread here, what happened in the first day of unleavened bread? What happened right before unleavened bread? Passover. And we were not to eat leavened bread at Passover. Because Yeshua is our unleavened bread. He's matzah. He's not hametz. This is why I wanted to slow. I mean, this jumped off at the page. Because I was like, "Why Bread, bread, bread. What is the difference? When I saw, I went to the Strong's and I said every bread was different, had different numbers. That's when I started digging it out. And so, get my glasses back on. So I want you to think about. So you shall eat hametz. You shall not eat anything that was gained by violence or wrong. I also have here, it says, when I read through it, it says figuratively extortion. Do you know what extortion is? Intimidation, violence, blackmail, psychological pressure. Can I read that again? Extortion, intimidation, violence, blackmail, psychological pressure. And then I wrote down here, sounds like Egypt today to me. They are trying to psychologically pressure manipulate, intimidate. This is the bread that the world feeds you. This is why we're not to eat that bread. This is the bread of Egypt. The bread of Egypt is what is gained by violence and extortion. This is why he was telling us that you can't eat of this bread during this period of time. And really and truly because guess what? We were to eat unleavened bread for how many days? Seven, what does seven mean? Completion, perfection. In other words, get the sin out and keep it out. In other words, we're not ever, spiritually, spiritually, you're never to return to Hametz. You are to forever eat matzah and lechem. So let's keep going. See what the next one is. All right, so now it tells us that you shall eat... Unleavened bread, which is matzah. Matzah is, in from Hebrew, it's unfermented, and it says, that which is sweet. So now, what are we to eat? We're to eat a bread of that which is sweet. Psalms 34, 8 says, taste and see that Yahweh is good. Remember the verse? And blessed is he who finds truth. See, unleavened bread here is not just about the matzo being a dry cracker. That's not what he's teaching us here. He's teaching us that the unleavened bread, the matzah here, is that which is sweet. This is why you do say, taste and see that he is good. What does it say? For those who have tasted and gone back, it's not good. Because when, you, when you're eating the unleavened and you go back to Hametz, that which is violence, you're not supposed to do that. So you see that one, and then it says the bread of affliction. That word bread is lechem, and it says here that's that's the showbread. That was the bread that was in the holy place. Lechem, when you look at it, it's mentioned many many times as showbread. This is where the priest they would have that bread. This is a bread that was made for food for man and beast. This is also bread that was offered and used in the sacrifices. So we're the bread of affliction. So we're to eat of this bread. But nobody really likes to eat of the bread of affliction. But the bread of affliction has a design. And the design is to move us forward and is to move us upward. This is the key. So he's telling us. Because whenever you're not to do hametz, we're not to eat of the bread of the world. That we are to eat of the bread of Yahweh, which is that trust and see that he is good. The bread of affliction, which that's what this bread is. That we're to eat and it's designed to move us forward and it's to move us upward. I'm just saying, you know, when I was going through this and I was seeing... How awesome our Elohim is. And just right there in that one scripture, when you look at it and you dissect it like that, it tells a huge story. Because he says, Remember why you left Egypt. Remember not to go back to Hametz. Don't go back to leavened bread. Don't go back to that way of life. Be satisfied with the other two breads which is matzah and lechem. This is the bread that we're to eat today. Let's go to Lamentations chapter 3 and we'll finish here. That's right. Eat the bread of life. Now, Lamentations, I think it has five books in it. It's definitely not one. I mean, it's, it's, they say it's just like being in a funeral when you read this book. Okay? And that's what it's it's like. So I skipped the first two chapters of the funeral readings. And I'll just pick up in chapter 3 and I'll just read a few verses. Verse 1, it says this. I am a man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. Now, he's talking about Israel here. Now, this is a prophet, this prophesying, but this is about Israel as a whole. But Israel is... Made up of physical people like me and you guys. Okay? And because of sin and because of the way they were acting, they went under affliction. A lot of times it was because of their sins, not because of just testings and trials. And here it was because of their sin. Verse 2, it says, He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he has turned his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away, and he has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the, day, like the dead of long ago. Now, there's not a lot of positive that I read there. And as you continue on down to verse 20, there's still not a lot of positives, so I'm going to spare us that. But I will, let's go to 21. Because guys, this is who our Heavenly Father is. This is why we always have hope. Whether we're going through affliction because He's testing and trying us like Joseph. Or we're going through testing and affliction like David because of what He did with Bathsheba. There's still, we can reach the promise kept. If we do the right thing during the times of affliction. And if if, if we will hold true and trust in Him. Or if we goof, like most of us do. If we repent and He has mercy. Then deliverance and redemption is waiting on the other side of affliction. And once you have that, then the promise that was first given to you, then you're going to realize and you're going to walk in these promises. Verse 21, it says, But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of Yahweh never ceases. See, we quote this a lot, but most people don't even know where it comes from. They don't even know why this is here, why they're saying that. The steadfast love of Yahweh never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. That's great. Greatness or great is your faithfulness. Yahweh is my portion, says my soul. Now, this writer here, he's writing this while he's in affliction. He's saying this while he's afflicted. He he understands where his hope is, even during the time of affliction, he's going back, remembering. Remembering what everything that we ever talk about the feast is always what? Remember, remember what the Father's doing. Remember, there's a reason why we remember because that's where our hope is. Our hope is in the very truth of the very promise. See, we're remembering all the way back to the beginning that He will never leave us or what? Forsake us. That's the promise. When you get right here in this where I'm at right now, before that, it looks like He left Him forsaken. And he has. He had to turn his face for you to get to a place to where you realize, Man, I have goofed. And if I don't get myself, I'm going to just stay in darkness. Or I can get myself out of darkness. Back to his marvelous life. So now he remembers. This writer remembers. This prophet remembers. And he starts saying, I'm remembering this. He says, Yahweh is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Yahweh is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of Yahweh. Isn't it awesome? To where, even though that we have to know, and this is why I wanted to say this again write this down. You start evaluating in your life, and you young ones, right now. A lot of times in your life where you're at, you haven't got to this place yet. You might not have even got a promise for your ministry yet. I was, what, 20 years old? 21 or so? 22? Yeah, 22, I guess. Whenever I had had my promise. But I didn't realize my promise until I was 46 to where I started pastoring. But there was a waiting period. You don't know how long this waiting period is. And you don't know how long we go through what we go through. Heavenly days. I mean, I went from Baptist, like I said, to Assembly of God, to Charismatic, to Nomadic, to Hebrew roots. And, and I felt like afflicted. I was like, either I am just totally, I need a pill or something from my mind or what is going on here cuz how can all of these theology all these doctor degree people be wrong but they choose to be they choose to preach creed instead of doctrine and they they I, I'm just saying I went through I went through this I'm old enough now to tell the story I understand This is why this jumped off the page. Because, guys, in your life, I guarantee you, somewhere, Arnold, somewhere in your life, you can remember a promise. And you'll probably sit back there and say, Pam, I know what happened here. I know what happened. A lot of us, we're going to figure this out. But if you're young, you need to ask some of the gray heads, What's your journey? What's your journey? What was the promise that the Father? Because you know what? The majority of the people, just fessing up, the majority of the people, they get a promise, they can't handle the affliction, and they quit. They just quit. They quit. Because they don't understand. I'm so thankful for you young people. I'm so thankful for you young people that were in Torah. Because I'm telling you, where I was at, In churchianity, we read a few little Sunday school quarterlies, a few little niceties. You know, we would go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We would skip Acts, skip Corinthians, and we would pick back up with Paul. And we would go through. This is just where I was at. Some people who was raised probably in different uh, religions, for whatever reasons, you would know what you studied. And you just study that over and over and over again. There's nobody in here that I know of, other than our young people that's been raised in this, understood anything about Torah. And I, well, unless, you know, you guys being in knowing, but I'm just saying about the Torah. But think about this. Because most of us was told that the Old Testament, that law was no good. Even though it says law is life. So my thing is, is this, is for us. Some of us may not... We may now realize, some of us older ones, we may realize now, I know why my promise had not been kept yet. It's because I didn't handle this very well. Gives us a chance to repent... And he will redeem it. We still have time for our promises that he's given us to be kept. Amen. And I read it in Lamentations. Because he is good and he's faithful. Amen. That's how awesome of a king we serve. That he can right wrongs.